This is the Nick Brown Show. Get in the game by calling 888-993-7762. Email nickbrownshow at suddenlink.net. Or get social on the Nick Brown Show Facebook page. Welcome back to the Nick Brown Show on Sports Talk 97.7. Enjoyed a nice cup of community pecan coffee this morning. I'm going to go to uh, Louisiana Tech and talk to Malcolm Butler. And Malcolm, before we talk anything about the games today, I want to talk about what a great job uh, you did. Uh, certainly, uh, the late Tommy Joe Eagles, I, I watched a tribute that the video that you had put together, man, a great job. Well done. Well, thank you. You know, a lot of people put in a lot of hard work uh, for last night, our Hall of Fame induction. And we had a packed house. We were sold out up there at the club level of the DAC. And, uh, it was a it was a wonderful event. Uh, we had seven wonderful, uh, impactful uh, former Louisiana Tech coaches, players, administrators who were inducted in last night, and uh, I think everybody had a, a wonderful time. Uh, let's go over the uh, the, the list uh, of inductees uh, just uh, one more time, because certainly that is a uh, great honor and a, and a great event. You know, I know the two obviously, of course, the late Tommy Joe Eagles and, and Keith Prince, but you certainly had a, a great list of inductees this year. Yeah, we did, and they'll they'll all be recognized at halftime of the game tonight against South Alabama. But no, you mentioned uh, obviously Keith Prince, who was the longtime SID here for 24 years. Uh, Tommy Joe Eagles, who uh, was a basketball player here, an assistant coach here, a head coach here, meant so much to this community. Uh, we had three football players inducted: uh, Denny Duron and Pat Tilly, who were on those. Uh, 70 national championship teams, and then Luke McCown, who uh, just finished a 13-year career in the NFL. Uh, Dale Holman, uh, Bulldog baseball player from uh, the late 70s, who was as good a hitter as we've ever had come through here. Uh, and then Pam Gant, uh, who, of course, helped lead the Lady Texas to the 1982 national championship. She was a Kodak All-American in 1985. So uh, that was uh, this class was just phenomenal. Uh, it certainly was a, a great class, and look forward to them being honored tonight at the uh, football game with South Alabama. Uh, the Jaguars from Mobile making their way over to North Louisiana, and that one, uh, look forward to that one, Malcolm. A lot of festivities going on around the Louisiana Tech campus today. Yeah, you know, it's it's a normal Saturday uh, football in the game in the South. Uh, you know, tailgating, people are already at them. We're actually over here at the softball field right now as they're about to have a little intra-squad scrimmage, but as I look across Alabama, uh, people are already starting to set up their tailgates on the hills. And, uh, we expect another good crowd tonight, uh, last non-conference game of the year. You know, we're coming off of three very emotional, tough games against Mississippi State, Western Kentucky, and, and South Carolina, and a tough loss, obviously, at South Carolina last weekend. So uh, I would be surprised if uh, our guys don't come out tonight and, and play extremely well. You know, that, that is the one thing, Malcolm, we're talking to Malcolm Butler from Louisiana Tech, tonight's uh, matchup with the Jaguars of South Alabama. I think you got to be, you know, there's that one part that you don't need a hangover from uh, South Carolina, and I think that's going to be the key if they can come out and take care of business uh, versus the Jaguars, but just remain focused because that was, uh, you know, you put that loss last week in, in the past, but come out tonight with that same intensity and you should be fine. Yeah, I mean, there's two directions you can go. You can either be, you know, upset and mad about uh, what you felt like maybe giving one away last week on the road and come out motivated and play extremely well. Or, like you said, uh, you can have a little bit of a letdown, and let's hope that's not what it is. South Alabama, uh, you know, they have struggled this year, uh, lost in overtime at home against Idaho last week. Now they've also played uh, Oklahoma State. And I've gone blank on who the other uh, Power Five school they've played this year, but they've played a couple of really good teams. And so, you know, they're they're a program that uh, beat Mississippi State on the road last year. I think made it to a bowl game, if I'm not mistaken. And so they've got some pride about them. They're very well coached. Uh, they did fire their offensive coordinator on Monday after the loss to Idaho. So again, that's a little bit of a uh, you don't know if they're going to change much as far as offense goes. But it'll be an inter- interesting matchup. And it certainly is the case, Malcolm. So what time is kickoff and uh, all the uh, tailgating festivities? The uh, the Bulldog Village, what time? That's that's the big draw now for the kids. Bulldog Village and kickoff, what time does everything open up? Sure. Uh, well, the ticket office uh, or the ticket booth on both the east and west side of the stadium uh, will open at noon. Um, Bulldog Village uh, starts about 2, 2.30. 
Uh, there'll be live music there. Uh, our Bulldog basketball team will be there signing autographs, a judging tailgate. There's bounce houses, all sorts of fun things for the kids. Uh, gates to the stadium uh, will open at 4.30. Uh, so, you know, and kickoff is at 6 o'clock tonight. So, uh, again, just uh, beautiful weather as I'm standing out here. I mentioned at the softball field. I mean, uh, clear skies. There's a little nip in the air, which feels great. And uh, so it's a, it's a perfect uh, day for football. It certainly is, and might I add, that is you're watching the defending Conference USA tournament champions in our intra-squad scrimmage. Yeah, yeah, they played last night. They had their first fall game last night uh, against Odessa. Uh, won that game 24-2, to uh, as you would imagine. You know, they overpowered a community college in Texas. But, you know, these fall games are so good. He's got ten uh, newcomers on this year's roster, including nine freshmen. And so he was able to get them a lot of at-bats last night. And so they'll turn back around this morning and have an intra-squad scrimmage here, start about 9.30, so people are welcome to come out and watch a little bit of that. And uh, they'll have seven more fall games this year, most of those here at home. So uh, he's excited about uh, his softball team and, and what they're possibly able to do this year after coming off that NCAA regional appearance last year. Absolutely, Malcolm. We always appreciate you joining us every Saturday morning on the Nick Brown Show. You enjoy the rest of the day and look forward to the kickoff between the Jaguars of South Alabama and Louisiana Tech at 6 o'clock tonight. We certainly appreciate it. Yep. Two quick things, Nick, before I let you go. Uh, Just remind people that uh, the trolley will be running from downtown Ruston today. So if people uh, don't want to have to try to find parking around the stadium, they can go down to Railroad Park. Uh, park down there. It'll start running at 1 o'clock, and it's free, and it'll shuttle you right to the stadium, and then after the game is over, it'll shuttle you, shuttle you back. I talked to Ronnie Walker, the mayor uh, of Ruston, a couple of days ago, and he said uh, the last home game against Mississippi State, they had about 900 people uh, that utilized the trolley, so it's been a really big hit. Uh, and then the other thing I was going to mention uh, in regards to the Hall of Fame, uh, we'll be uploading all the uh, Hall of Fame acceptance speeches from last night to our YouTube channel probably here in the next 48 hours or so that people can watch. Hey, look forward to that. And one more thing, I saw the announcement, uh, the official online store of Louisiana Tech Athletics where people can go to get all that great gear, uh, Louisiana Tech gear. That was a big announcement. Yeah, fan base of Ruston downtown. Uh, you know, Heather Walker, Ronnie's wife, owns that place. And so they're, they're our new official online provider, and that's a – a wonderful store right down there across from Railroad Park. So uh, uh, I would encourage everybody to go by and, and check it out. Hey, that's great. Malcolm, look forward to seeing you tonight at the game, man, and thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, Nick. Appreciate you, buddy. All right, that's Malcolm Butler from Louisiana Tech. A great game day festivities getting ready in Ruston for Louisiana Tech and South Alabama. And going over the schedule of the Jaguars, uh, the other Power Five, they did open up at uh, Ole Miss. They lost that game 47-27. to Then they t- uh, tackled uh, Oklahoma State, lost that one 44-7. Got a victory over Alabama A&M, 45-0. Of course, last week, uh, the disappointing loss to Idaho, uh, I believe in, in double overtime, 29-23. to They had a change. Uh, they fired their offensive coordinator, Brian Vincent. So, I think you see the uh, new-look Jaguar offense today. Uh, head coach uh, Joey Jones and the Jaguars, this battle between the Sun Belt and Conference USA. Well, tell you what, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You want to stay tuned to the Nick Brown Show. Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine in beautiful Birmingham, Alabama, going to join us at 9.30. Lynn takes you to 10. Nick Brown Show brought to you every Saturday morning by the great folks at Skip Russell State Farm. They're the official insurance of the Nick Brown Show for all your insurance needs. Home, life, auto, located on Reynolds Drive in Russell. Give them a call, 255 255- 50-50, that's Skip Russell State Farm, the official insurance of the Nick Brown Show. We'll be right back on Sports Talk 97.7. Saturday morning, sports and the Nick Brown Show. You can't beat it. You can call us at 888-993-7762 and become a fan of the Nick Brown Show on Facebook. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Nick Brown Show. We certainly appreciate you waking up early on this Saturday morning with a slight bite in the air. Nick Brown Show brought to you each and every Saturday morning. The great folks at Daylight Donuts. Pillowy Pluff. Delicious. Daylight Donuts. I'm going through withdrawals this morning. I really miss my Pillowy Pluff Delicious Daylight Donut. So at 10.01 today, I'm making a trip to see them. But... It seems to be the consensus we talked about. You know, Washington State. And I have mixed emotions because, like I said, I used to eat lunch with Clay Helton on a regular basis. 
you know, that's where the walk-ons got to eat with the managers at uh, Dining Hall. And so I always enjoyed uh, – I never, never thought he would be the head coach of Southern Cal. So, I mean, it's going to – difficult watching the game because I'm going to tell you, I was pulling for the cat. I was pulling for the Pirate. But I can tell you, on the AC Go Paddle text line, every one of you is, has him penciled in to – Go to Ole Miss. I mean, why does he have to leave? I mean, that's just egocentric because he everybody knows he SEC is the epicenter of college football, right? Maybe he's happy coaching in a community with 9,000 people, 33,000. I mean, you do realize there's more people at a spring game on an SEC campus that was there to see that showdown last night. But everybody here. Now, Larry has a good point. Not about Mike Leach. Larry said you ask if the Alabama win over Florida State was a good win. Yes, it was, because with Nick Saban, as the season goes on, his teams get better and better. If you're going to get to a Saban coach team, you do it early. So he goes on to say about the losses, so that's why he thinks. So Larry has an ulterior motive. Larry said that's why he wished the LSU-Bama game needs to be played earlier. (laughs) There you go. Larry, I always appreciate you chiming in on the H to go paddle text line. You do the exact same thing at triple eight nine nine three seven seven six two. You need to go buy H to go paddle in Antique Alley. They got these coolers, but their brand is Kula. I have trouble pronouncing that. But they've got a spout, so you can take it to tailgate. Pretty neat deal. Go buy see them in Antique Alley in West Monroe. But you know, why do we have to why, why does Mike Leach have to leave Washington State? Well, I'll tell you, you look at, and I'll be honest, you look at Alabama's remaining schedule. Okay, you look at Alabama's remaining schedule. Maybe if Jarrett Stidham continues to improve and Auburn can keep their healthy running backs. And LSU. Because I don't think Auburn's going to win in Baton Rouge because they just have trouble playing there. They do. But I look and say, okay, who can challenge Alabama on their schedule? Because I asked earlier, is Washington State now in the playoff conversation? And they are. You just like Mike Leach, don't you? I mean, don't you like a coach that's not cookie cutter? I mean, honestly, he, he speaks, he talks about pirates, of course. But he talks about other things as well, other than just football. But I asked you, I said, okay. And you agreed. You said that Washington State is now a playoff contender. And, of course, what do we want to do? We want to get him out of the Pac-12 and get him to the SEC. Listen to this schedule. And then you answer me, are they a playoff contender? Now, they, the, the victory over USC last night, 30-27. to 27. The uniforms look great, by the way. Did you even stay up and watch the game? Did you see any of the first half, anything? No, I did not. In fact, wow. I didn't even know who won until I came in this morning. I actually went to bed at a decent time last night. I just lost a little bit of respect for you. Fell asleep watching James Bond. Okay, you get a little bit of it back. Roger Moore. Oh, yeah. Octopussy. There you go. Now, I'm with, I, but the uniforms were great. They looked great. They really did. They looked great. But you listen to the schedule. He said they opened up the season, and I'm talking about Washington State. I mean, remember when Nevada used to be really good? When Chris Alt was there? Yeah, uh, no more. They lost. They they defeated them forty five to seven. Of course, last night they beat Oregon State fifty two to twenty three. They beat Boise State forty seven to forty four. They've got to travel to Oregon October seventh. That could be trouble. They got to go to Cal. They'll take care of Cal. They got to go to Colorado. No, they host Colorado. They got to let's just say they run that gauntlet. They got to travel to Arizona, bear down, Rich Rodriguez. Then they host Stanford. Then they travel to Utah. Then they travel that, that, to Washington. That, that right there may be the one. Well, they got Washington as well. They get better at what the Apple Cup. The Apple Cup. Where at Washington? Mm. That's that's. So what you're telling me is no. I don't. One lost SEC team? Yes. One lost Pac-12 team? No. 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 And? Well, I mean, if, if that loss is at Oregon and they still went out their division and win the conference, 
I, I could see it play out where uh, possibly a, a one-loss Pac-12 team, but I think that that would take having one one-loss team in the SEC and then the rest two losses. Basically, I think you'd have to have zero undefeated teams to get a one-loss Pac-12 team in. Andrew has uh, Mike Leach at Ole Miss as well. I just I don't see it. What if Kevin Sumlin wins out? He's good. Brett Bielema. <laughs> Went out. <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. I think there's more chance in Wazoo winning out in the Pirates staying. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I do want to talk college basketball. And unless you've been living under a rock, you saw the scandals. And last night, uh, a Daddy Ball came out and said that he's been offered several items for his sons to sign with colleges. We all know that uh, he followed it. Uh, four coaches. But everyone wants to know how this all came to be. You always have these guys that handle your money. The financial advisors. I'm not talking about sports agents. I'm talking about financial advisors. And I got about five to ten minutes to explain this to you. It's actually, if you go back and read everything that went down, just search the name Marty Blazer on the internet. How do you like, who is Marty Blazer? Well, Marty Blazer is a guy that could have could bring down college basketball. Marty Blazer was a financial advisor, so he handles the money. Like John, like he, like John Tabor would come to Marty Blazer and say, "Handle my finances." Well, Marty Blazer took that money and invested in movies without the knowledge of the people giving him money. The movies failed miserably. I don't know when people are going to learn. You know, they have movie corporations for a reason. So he invested in these two movies, and they flopped. Marty Blazer, by the way, is in Pittsburgh. He's a financial planner advisor in Pittsburgh. He took people's money, and he invested in movies that flopped. Now, these people want their money back, so he creates a Ponzi scheme to get that money back that he used to finance movies without the permission or without the knowledge of the people that had trusted him with his money. Well, guess what? He got caught about two or three years ago. He gets caught, and then he says, wait a minute. I can get you some college coaches. This is a lot bigger. So the FBI is like, okay. And so that's when he gets his interaction with college coaches. So he was paying these assistant coaches to encourage their top players to use him as their financial planner when they made it to the NBA. Now, and, and people ask, and I take from an Auburn perspective, Bruce Pearl, is he in trouble? Because you know he's been in NCAA troubles before. Now, the NCAA had no knowledge of this because I tell you what, had the NCAA known about this, they would have tipped people off because it makes their organization look terribly bad. Bruce Pearl had no knowledge because this was actually weakening his product because he's encouraging players to go pro early and to sign with Marty Blazer. And Marty Blazer gave Chuck Person a lot of money, and that money was used to encourage these players to sign with him as a financial advisor. And that's what those four coaches did. Oklahoma State, Arizona. Now, it's really interesting because those four coaches were named. A side note, and Bama Jim, I'm not picking on Alabama. Their uh, associate AD, director of basketball operations, went in and resigned after that. You haven't seen his name or picture on any of the, you know, the, the four, the big four being led by Chuck Person. And it's to me, though, as you look at the Chuck Person situation, 13-year, 14-year NBA career. He has a pension from the NBA. Uh, he's making <clears throat> close to a quarter of a million dollars being the associate head coach of Auburn. 
How do you have financial trouble with your NBA retirement and a job making quarter of a million dollars living in rural Auburn, Alabama? I don't get it. But he did, so he met with the guy, got $50,000, ended up being about $91,000 total to encourage players to trust their money with Marty Blazer. Now, that's entirely separate from what happened with Louisville. I'll catch that in just a minute. Here's the crazy thing. If someone comes to you with a situation like this, this is the Nick Brown Show advice for the day. If Chuck Person... Because, see, he had to be introduced to Marty Blazer by someone. And he was. If he would have gone to the Internet, which is available in most homes, most smartphones. Even my sister listening in the metropolis of Chatham, Alabama, now has a smartphone and can listen to the Nick Brown Show on her phone. If he would have gone to the Internet and searched... Marty Blazer, he would have seen that he was arrested a couple of months before the meeting was to take place, that he met him. So, in other words, when this third party called and said, Hey, Chuck, I want to introduce you to Marty Blazer. If Chuck would have gone to the Internet and searched Marty Blazer, he would have seen that he was arrested with a Ponzi scheme and the poor financial advice. Not smart any way you look. And then people say, well, Nick, why didn't they go to uh, head coaches? Well, because head coaches make enough that they don't need this forty to $50,000, $91,000 payment, whatever it may be. And the money wasn't going to the athletes. Wasn't going to the athletes. Now, I find it ironic that one week after the announcement was made, you know, Adidas... My Adidas, go back to the 80s, run DMC. Adidas has just moved into, one week ago, moved into number two in the shoe business. Nike's number one. Jordan were number two, but Adidas was number three, and they passed Jordan's for number two. Nike's number one, Adidas number two. And then a week later, all of this comes out. Now, you know, I mean, Louisville wears Adidas. So therefore, if the top players in the country would go wear Adidas, then maybe more kids want to buy Adidas. And it looks better. you got Louisville going to the Final Four wearing Adidas. Tom Jurek, the AD at Louisville, former AD at Louisville, and Rick Patino, which is Adidas school. His daughter, by the way, has a job with Adidas. And they're going to basically say that a player was given $100,000, $150,000 to go play for Louisville. Of course, Rick Pitino denies it, but it happened under his watch. There's so many scandals. People ask me what I thought. I said, I don't think Rick Pitino will ever coach again. That's different. I mean, now you have, and here's the thing, Bowen, the the, the athlete's name, five-star recruit, Go look at what Rick Pitino said when when they signed him. He, quote, fell into our laps. Yeah, he did. And no, you'd say, well, everybody does it. This could branch out to over 100 coaches. And then you wonder, well, the NCAA violation. I think you're going to see players have their eligibility interrupted. And it'll be a situation if they did take money from a rogue coach doing this, that you're going to see their eligibility restored. I just, I just don't think you're going to be able to go say, okay, there's 80 to 90 players across the country, however many it may be, when this, when this investigation is finalized, that they're going to lose, they're going to be permanently ineligible. I think some of them will pay back money, and I think some of them may not even gotten money. Their coach may have been given money that they didn't funnel to them. But certainly, certainly, a uh, you know, and the feds are involved. And here, let me tell you something. This is not like an NCAA infraction where you have to go, you know, they have to prove it, where this Hugh Freeze will drag on forever. When the feds come in, they've got you. They don't make an announcement. They don't have a press conference on circumstantial evidence. 
I know, Nick, everyone is innocent until proven guilty. Correct. Except when the feds are involved. They come in. Do I think this will be the death penalty for any programs? Probably not. Never never see that again. Should it warrant that at Louisville? Probably so, but you just won't see it. You listen to the Nick Brown Show on Sports Talk 97.7, where the Nick Brown Show is brought to you every Saturday morning by the great folks at Bancorp South, right on the corner, right where you are. They're member of FDIC. They're the official bank of the Nick Brown Show. When we return, Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine. Lynn takes you to 10 every Saturday morning on the Nick Brown Show. We'll be right back after this break. This is the Nick Brown Show. Get in the game by calling 888-993-7762. Email nickbrownshow at suddenlink.net. Or get social on the Nick Brown Show Facebook page. Welcome back to the Nick Brown Show on Sports Talk 97.7 FM. You hear the fight song of the Auburn Tigers. That means we're going to go to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine in beautiful Birmingham, Alabama, Lynn, where we now have an official weatherman of the Nick Brown Show. That would be John Tabor. He described it aptly as a slight bite in the air in uh, North Louisiana today. So check it on the weather in uh, Alabama. Well, Alabama, of course, I don't have anything as official as uh, as what Tabor just gave. I don't I don't understand all that uh, terminology, but uh, uh, there's not any clouds and it's pretty. I know that's a lot. That's not nearly as well. That's that not, Lynn. Like to have, but, Lynn, that's um, a major disappointment. I was expecting you to come up with all your years of journalism. Well, I, come I, up I, with something better than it's clear and pretty. <laughs> well, I, you know, I was I, I watched Willard Scott, but I never really got into him, so I don't know. <laughs> It's a, I know we're not expect. I'm not. I'm not taking rain gear to uh, Jordan Hare today. Okay, great, Lynn. Well, I tell you what. I don't want to start with that game, but I do want to start with uh, you know games across the country. And really, uh, we can talk the college basketball scandal in just a little bit. But really, you look at some games today uh, in the SEC. There's some very pivotal games, and there's one that really I, I think you look as far as pivotal. And uh, we we've been talking this morning about which SEC school could. Uh, could have uh, Mike Leach as their coach one day, and uh, the, the over the overwhelming majority says that uh, Mike Leach would be a perfect fit at uh, Ole Miss. But uh, I'm going to talk about one in uh, where there may be an opening soon up in uh, Knoxville today, as uh, the Volunteers and uh, Georgia Bulldogs. Well, I mean, I think Georgia wins. Uh, here, here's the thing: Georgia, uh, Tennessee has had a you know some teams just match up better against other ones, and history goes a certain way. And we talked about this stat before. Twenty-nine out of the last thirty times that Tennessee has played Alabama, Auburn, and Florida, it's lost. It's won one out of the last thirty. Okay, that goes over. That goes back over many, many years. And during that period of time, Georgia's had some really good teams and has beaten the other three teams I just named. Uh, Tennessee beats Georgia half the time, and it's it's hard to explain. So you know, you you hesitate in picking Tennessee to automatically lose because they almost automatically lose to those other three teams, and they don't automatically lose to Georgia. With that being said, Georgia's much better than Tennessee. Tennessee is very, very fortunate not to be 1-3 right now. They should be 1-3, really. Uh, you know, uh, if Kentucky can put 11 men on the field, uh, Tennessee probably doesn't get two touchdowns. Uh, and um, I'm not talking Florida. I'm talking Florida. Uh, if, if Tennessee uh, does not have the UMass, uh, be the worst team in the country playing them, they probably lose. Tennessee doesn't give a 51 yards, uh, uh, Nick, in the entire second half. They don't give a 51 yards on the team we've got picked as the worst team in the country. They ought to lose at home to the to a team that's already lost by double digits to Coastal Carolina and Old Dominion. Uh, Georgia Tech literally blows them out of the stadium. Georgia Tech outgained them by 200 yards. That's the all-time offensive record for a quarterback in Georgia Tech history. And Georgia Tech fumbles two balls in the red zone uh, going in for touchdowns. Uh, so, I mean, Tennessee is very, very fortunate to not be one in three. And Georgia, while they, they sneaked by Notre Dame, and everybody kind of wrote that off, great day it was at Notre Dame. Notre Dame goes on the, on the road and beats uh, Michigan State by two or three touchdowns. So Georgia's, Georgia's win is looking good against Notre Dame. Tennessee doesn't have anything that's looked good all year. And now you've got Jacob Easton uh, getting back in shape. Georgia may have two quarterbacks uh, better than, than anybody Tennessee could hope to have. And I just, I just don't see Georgia's defense is outstanding. They got the two great running backs. They got two quarterbacks that can play. They got momentum. They got confidence. Tennessee doesn't have either one of those. And uh, I just don't see it being a ball game. With that being said, Tennessee will probably beat them. 
but uh, but I think Georgia's significantly better than Tennessee in every way you can evaluate them. All right, I want to move to one. I had an opportunity to be in Williams-Brice Stadium last weekend to watch uh, South Carolina play, and I can tell you the offense really looking for an identity since Debo Samuel went out. And I had done the math right before Louisiana Tech and South Carolina kicked off. South Carolina only had 10 touchdowns on the year before that game started, and six of them were, were by Debo Samuel. I think you may look at, uh, and that offense still struggling for their identity, I think uh, Kevin Sumlin and the Aggies uh, are going to take care of business today versus South Carolina. Yeah, I do too. And, and, and this will help Kevin Sumlin. Uh, Muschamp's not going to be on the hot seat anyway uh, because he hasn't been there long enough to be on it. Uh, Bilma is after what happened last week. But uh, this will help Kevin Sumlin greatly uh, to pick up two consecutive wins against Southeastern Conference teams that are sort of on the same level as, as he's got A&M's program on right now. I agree with you. Uh, if the game was at South Carolina, I'd, I'd feel a little more toward, toward South Carolina having a, a shot. I mean, they got a chance. I mean, you know, they got Sky Moore and some good defensive guys. I like Jake Bentley. But you're right. Debo Samuel, Samuel was their threat. And, um, and with him gone, you, hey, I'm telling you, the, the, the minute you saw him be, be taken off and them say he probably couldn't play, I know, you know he came back on and tried for a minute. But uh, South Carolina really, really suffered a, a key blow, uh, maybe as much as any team in the, country, in the Southeastern Conference would suffer a blow from one individual player. I like A&M to win the game, and I'm, and I'm not sold on A&M at all overall. But, uh, but yeah, I think, I think Texas a and wins that ball game. You know, and I look, I want to make a parallel. Of course, everyone knows that you have uh, orange and blue glasses uh, where you finished school, and I did as well. I didn't realize this at South Carolina. A lot of that staff, Pat Washington, former Auburn quarterback, DeVoris Robinson, uh, de- defensive back, and uh, I believe DeMarco McNeil on that staff as well. And I say all that to say well, this. Well, and Muschamp coached at Auburn. Yeah, you look, I don't really see how Muschamp – has changed since his days at the University of Florida. And and I'm not, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, but I don't think this will be a successful tenure at South Carolina because I think he's still trying to do what he did at Florida and he wasn't success, a success at Florida. Well, here's what could happen at South Carolina. Um, they could end up being, let's just throw it out there, they could end up being Arkansas. Or they could end up being what Tennessee has been for the last 10 years uh, or you know, to a lesser degree, what Mark Rick was at Georgia, where you win enough games that you look bad if you fire the guy, but you feel pretty sure that you're not going to win enough games to be a championship contender. And so, what do you do? You know, if you're if you're averaging six to eight wins a year, uh, seldom beating the big boys, and always at a at a lower level bowl or or on the edge of bowl eligibility, um, are you satisfied with that? And I don't mean this ugly, but South Carolina might be. Uh, they probably wouldn't be over the big hall. The, here, uh, the, the problem there is Steve Spurrier raised their expectations to a level they had never been before and never even been close to before. I think the, I think the majority of times that they've won double-digit games in their history was won by Steve Spurrier. Maybe the Steve Spurrier did all of that, unless Les Holtz did one time. Um, so uh, their expectations were raised above what they're used to being. And, um, and it doesn't help them. That at the at the same time, Clemson is uh, won a national championship, and um, and you know may, may win may win another one. Uh, so it do, doesn't help that that's happening. That Spurrier, the uh, fallout from Spurrier being gone, happens at the same time when Clemson's becoming a national power. So you got that factor as well. But uh, I mean, but I, I agree with you. I don't I don't see that that South Carolina's become going to become a championship contender under under Muschamp. All right, I want to turn to a game uh, that's going to be in Baton Rouge. Uh, you cover Troy, uh, East, uh, East Alabama, the Trojans. Uh, they're not a weak team. Are they good enough to put a scare into the 25th-ranked LSU Tigers? I think, they could, I think they'd have a good chance to beat Syracuse. Uh, and Syracuse, uh, with two or three minutes left, was in two points of, uh, of, of, uh, of LSU in Tiger Stadium last week. And that's the Syracuse team that lost at home to Middle Tennessee. They hadn't, hadn't been able to win a game anywhere else. So I know comparative scores don't necessarily mean anything, but they do show up tendency. And that tendency doesn't look real strong for LSU. Now, with that being said, yeah, I think LSU will beat Troy. I mean, LSU's got better players than Troy. And for heaven's sakes, they got to put it together sometime this year. I mean, because they, you know, they did beat Chattanooga by a big margin. Uh, but this is not a, a good a Chattanooga team as you thought. And Chattanooga moved the ball on pretty well in the first half. And then they barely beat Syracuse and get blown out by Mississippi State, who gets blown out by Georgia. So, um, yeah, I think Troy 
can give them a game, and I'll honestly be surprised if Troy doesn't give them a pretty good game. I think LSU will win, and at the end of the game, LSU may win by you know by double digit margin, uh, may win by a comfortable margin. But this is Troy, and hey, and, and Southeastern fans keep up with Troy. I, mean, I don't think I don't think the average LSU fan, there, if LSU fans listen to our audience right here, I don't think they they think that a high school team's coming in. Troy's a good team, uh, but I, they shouldn't they shouldn't beat LSU, and I don't think they will. All right, I want to turn to the uh, Swamp, Ben Hill Griffin Stadium in Gainesville, Florida, the Vanderbilt Commodores land where they – you don't poke the bear. You, you, you called out, you know, they had their big victory over Kansas State. They come out and say, we want Bama. Well, they certainly got Alabama to the tune of 59 to nothing, and now they go on the road to take on the 21st-ranked Florida Gators. Yeah, well, uh, and I, I accidentally alluded to that a minute ago, but it's a good uh, tie-in here. Um, Florida – I don't know which team's the luckiest, Florida or Tennessee. I guess it's Florida since since they got to be on the field when Tennessee played a junior high school defense uh, on a on the only thing on a all, all that could be a hail mary play uh, and allowed the Florida defensive back to just run right by their guy and get in the end zone. Uh, again, another example of ineptness by Tennessee. Okay, hold up. I want to interrupt you right there because I went to a lot of junior high football games uh, this week, and I think the junior high teams were better coached. <laughs> well, they well, may well be. But, but you know, who, who's the luckiest? I mean, Michigan, in fairness, Michigan's a good team. But, uh, but you know, Florida couldn't even score on Michigan. 37-14 uh, to 14 or what it was, the 14 were back-to-back interceptions. It reminded me of the Curly Hallman game against Auburn in uh in, in Auburn a number of years ago, the only reason Florida even scored, uh, and and Florida has won two ball games because their opponents can't don't even know how to line up on defense. Uh, they scored two touchdowns against Kentucky on both of those plays. Kentucky didn't have a ten men on the field. You got a guy. If look at the replays on that thing, it's unbelievable. But they line up with a guy out there to the right. He's absolutely wide open. Kentucky didn't even have ten men on the field. The guy's waving his arms. And the quarterback just takes the ball immediately, throws it to him, he goes for a touchdown, and then you're at the end of the ball game for Kentucky to win for the first time in 30 years over Florida. And once again, they don't send but 10 men on the field, and the guy is out in the same place waving his arms. They throw it to him, and he goes in again. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. And then, and then Florida wins because Tennessee doesn't know how to defend a Hail Mary. So, uh, you know, Florida, is, is Florida 2-1 or 3-1? They're 2-1, aren't because they, they canceled that ball game. That's correct. Yeah, they should be 0-3. So you got a team that should be 0-3. <laughs> say how you really feel this morning, Lynn. Well, well that's the truth, that Tennessee should be 0-3 going up against the Vanderbilt team that should be 2-2. Two and two. Uh, They barely beat good, – and good for Vandy for beating Kansas State. Beat a ranked team for the first time in however long it was, and that's just great. And I, I'm, I'm a quasi-Vanderbilt guy. You know that. But – Kansas State should have beat them. They have they have a touchdown called back on a penalty. Uh, it might be two touchdowns called back on penalties, and and even so, Vandy barely won. Uh, and Vanderbilt got three first downs last week. They never even crossed midfield. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure. I think Vanderbilt will win maybe a couple more games, but um, they could if they win three, they could go to a bowl. I just can't see them winning three, uh, and I can't see them competing against Florida. I think it was a good decision to bring Luke Del Rio back in as the quarterback, get somebody with some experience because the other guys weren't showing any consistency. But, again, I think you've got probably a – you've got one team that's really not very good against another team that's really very lucky. And so when that happens, I don't know what happens, but you know, to, Florida should be getting its first win of the season today, uh, and instead they're going to win and go to 3-1. and one, And just like the last two years when everybody thought they were good and they went to the Eastern Division Championship and got blown out, uh, where the only reason they got in the championships because of playing in the Eastern Division and, and, and weren't playing difficult teams. Uh, once again, I think the misconception about Florida being good will be perpetuated today by what happens in the swamp. All right, and we'll go over some uh, other games. Talk to Lynn Scarborough from uh, Lindy's Magazine in beautiful Birmingham, Alabama. Brett Bielema should get a feel-good win today as New Mexico State comes to Fayetteville. This one should be one where you might want to see uh, Arkansas run it up just a little bit. Had an entry, you know, Lynn, I actually went back and watched the video. Barry Alvarez said it best. It goes back to what you said on the day Brett Bielema was hired. I wish I could go back and pull the audio. You said that... Uh, you know he's going to come into Fayetteville and try and run that Big Ten offense, and it's not going to be not going to work because you need more skilled players in the SEC. Well, Barry Alvarez said the exact same thing at the Little Rock Touchdown Club this week. Yeah, well, he's right. I mean, it was it was obvious it wasn't a good fit to start with. I mean, they haven't been horrible. You know, I mean, I, I, they may have gone to a bowl every year. I'm not sure. Maybe they missed it one year. But but yeah, they haven't been horrible. But they're right in there, like I was saying before about these other teams. You know, you you tread water. Uh, you occasionally will win eight. 
Uh, you sometimes will win six and be a threat to win five. You go to a lesser bowl game. You're not a contender for anything, and um, and that's where that's where you find yourself, and that's where Arkansas finds itself most most of the time. Now they've won some decent ball games. They've beaten they they beat a pretty good Auburn team up there. Uh, I guess a year before last. Um, you know they've beaten some they've beaten some some good teams, but they've also lost to some bad teams. Hey, if they are, but look at here's New Mexico now. New Mexico, I mean New Mexico State. There's a better New Mexico State than what they usually have. Uh, they they beat New Mexico already, I think, by a comfortable margin, uh, and that's that's not usually done. On the other hand, Troy went out to New Mexico State and played, and Troy beat them. So uh, LSU is going to play Troy, and Arkansas is going to play at home a team that Troy went out and beat on their home field. So no, Arkansas shouldn't have any trouble with this. Arkansas should win the game comfortably, uh, but then. We've had, unfortunately, we've had a whole lot of SEC teams this year uh, that should have won games comfortably that have to win on the last play of the game or something or else they don't win. Well, I will tell you this about New Mexico State, just for our listeners, so they're a little bit smarter. We always consider uh, the listeners of the Nick Brown Show to be the most intelligent all of sports radio. They are coached by a former Kentucky quarterback uh, and had a career in uh, Lexington from 81 to 84, and that's uh, Doug Martin. So he's familiar with the Southeastern Conference, although Arkansas wasn't in it. But Doug Martin, uh, the coach of New Mexico State. Yeah, listen, New Mexico State, I'll give them this. They, they at least are knowledgeable football fans, and they keep up with their team. One year, a number of years ago, and I've, I've said before on the air, you know, it, anybody that if you ever in somebody is in the publishing business and they claim they put out a magazine or a newspaper uh, that hadn't had any mistakes, you don't need to deal with them because they're either lying or they don't know what they're doing. Uh, a number of years ago, we put the wrong logo up for New Mexico State on their team page. And... New Mexico State fans actually noticed it and called us to task about it. So you've got a real intelligent base out there at, uh, with the Aggies of New Mexico, so Arkansas better watch out. Uh, there you go. I want to move. Uh, talking to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine, beautiful Birmingham, Alabama. i tell you a game I may, may put on my upset alert special. Kentucky. They've, they've had the victories in the Southeastern Conference. They can't have a letdown versus the Eagles of Eastern Michigan today. I certainly don't see that as an upset special. Um, <laughs> I, I just – you need to really pick another game. <laughs> hey, you got to watch these guys from Ypsilanti. special, go with somebody else. Hey, uh, Ypsilanti, no. they went to a bowl game. They're out of the well, Mac. That's, it's well, my Mac love coming well, through. Well, look, when you when when you got fifty two bowl games, uh, you got <laughs> you, you got you, you're going to start bringing uh, junior college teams over to play in some of the BCS bowls. If it gets any more, that we can have the Nick Brown Bowl, have it out in your backyard. It it, it wouldn't be as. But anyhow, uh, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, going saying my team went to a bowl, and with all due respect to the Donut Man, uh, I, didn't Mississippi State go last year at five and seven? I think they did. <laughs> yeah. So so now if. If you can stay even remotely close to only losing half your games, uh, we're going to reward you by going to a bowl. I don't, I don't think that's a, a real feather in your cap. Um, K- Kentucky, again, if Kentucky can even put the right number of uh, players on the field, uh, they're, un- they're undefeated and, and, and the second-best team in the Eastern Division. I mean, I, no, they're not going to lose to Eastern Michigan at home. i tell you what, if they do, then the, the, the spirit, the heart, has been cut out of Kentucky football and the and – the, uh, uh, season's getting ready to fall apart. Well, we don't uh, wager we don't wager money uh, here at the Nick Brown Show, but if they do, then the fried green tomatoes are on Lynn Scarborough. Well, that'd be fine if if Eastern Michigan can go in and beat Kentucky. Uh, there, I, I owe you some fried green tomatoes. Uh, there you go, Now, Let's talk. we got two more games to talk about, both in the uh, state of Alabama. Talking to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine. Ole Miss, interim coach Matt Luke, traveled to Tuscaloosa and Bryant-Denny Stadium to take on the number one team in the land, Alabama, and I think that this one might be over by halftime. Uh, it will could be. The, uh, you know, Alabama, and all credit to Ole Miss, uh, Alabama's only lost two SEC games during the regular season in the last three years. And both of those were to Mississippi. So, good for them. Uh, most of the players that were on those Ole Miss teams aren't still playing. Uh, none of the coaches, or well, some of the coaches, uh, but a lot of the, the staff, the coaches uh, that were there for those are no longer at Ole Miss. Um, and basically the, the staff is at, uh, still at Alabama. And, and some of the players that were uh, on those losing teams as young guys were still there, and they're probably still mad about it at Alabama. So I agree with you. I don't. I don't see this being much of a ball game. Hey, uh, Ole Miss is a very effective passing team, and Colorado State, to start with, has already shown that an effective passing attack can move the ball on Alabama. 
Uh, don't be uh, Alabama's got a very, very good defensive team, no question about it. But I'm not sure they're any better than Georgia. I'm not sure they're any better than Auburn. I'm not sure they're that much better than Mississippi State. And uh, a passing game has already shown. Uh, Alabama had the great uh, defensive game last last week, uh, but before that, uh, they were they were not near the top in hardly any defensive statistic. Um, and um, Ole Miss's passing game could move the ball on them, but Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss, with the game on the line, played California, which is certainly not to be confused with Alabama. And Ole Miss couldn't even score, period. They couldn't kick a field goal. They couldn't score a touchdown. They did nothing. Uh, They did not score in the entire second half against California. If you can't score against California, uh, I doubt you're going to score enough to win against Alabama. So, no, I don't think – I think in the long run this won't be a close ball game in Alabama, you know, cruise. Yeah, Alabama is no Cal, but there is an AL in Cal. Just, uh, you know, the one similarity that they have. Then I'm going to turn, uh, turn to a game that you're going to be covering, and that is the Mississippi State Bulldogs are 24th in the land. They're going to travel to the plains of East Alabama to take on the 13th-ranked Auburn Tigers. Auburn uh, looks like to be a little bit healthier than they have for most of the season. Well, and that could be the key to the game. You know, you got to – Mississippi State's a mystery team in the league right now. Because that you know they beat LSU so comfortably, uh, and and I don't know the score conceivably could have been worse. I mean it was just a total domination by Mississippi State, um, and and the jury's still out on how good the LSU team is that they beat. Uh, but then you know I've been bragging on on their quarterback and and their offense and, and all, and uh, and I still think maybe in, in just his raw ability, uh, his size and his his the skills he brings, he still may be the best quarterback in the conference in, in Fitzgerald. But they can't even score on Georgia. They get a field goal. But they can't even score on Georgia. And, um, and, and Georgia's defense now is very, very good. They may be the best defense in the country, I mean, in the conference, even though statistically they're not up there. Uh, the top defenses in the conference are still, well, Vanderbilt two away, but Mississippi State and Auburn. Auburn's number one, and I think Mississippi State's two. And Alabama now has moved up because of that performance against Vanderbilt. So the, the, numerically, uh, Georgia's not up there with the, with the other uh, national caliber defenses that in the conference. But but that's uh, that's not uh, reality. Georgia's a very very good defensive team. So but you should get more than three points. I mean you should score and be competitive. And Georgia was and uh, Mississippi State was not. So what's the real Mississippi State? Which uh, which which one? The LSU game or the or the Georgia game? And Auburn started clicking better now. In fairness, uh, Missouri would have a trouble trouble stopping me and you and Tabor in, in uh, eleven on three football. But with that being said. Um, you know, Auburn put up 500 and whatever yards last week. They had a 70-yard touchdown call back on a penalty. They had a 45-yard touchdown call back on a penalty. So they could have been going on 700 yards uh, in that ball game and and scored 60. So um, you know, it's it's hard to really hard to really know um, about that. Uh, the the difference in the game could well be this: for the first time this season, Auburn will have its running backs healthy and available to play. You know, we talked about the start of the season. Who had the best uh, tandem of running backs? Was it uh, Georgia with Chubb and Michelle? Was it Alabama with uh, with Harris and Scarborough? Uh, you know, who who was it? Who had the best the best pair of running backs? And right in the middle of that was uh, was Auburn with Cam Petway and Carryon Johnson. And you haven't had the two of those guys on the field at the same time this year. Uh, plus, you got Cam Martin, who would have been the starting running back at Baylor uh, if if he if, if everything had not happened at Baylor. So Mississippi State's defense, very strong, will be going up the full, against the full complement of Auburn's offense for the first time anybody has seen it this year. Uh, you know, you could you could make a case. Auburn people certainly would. SEC people would. That if Auburn had had uh, had uh, three of its running backs available to play against Clemson instead of one running back available to play against Clemson, that that could have made a difference in the ball game. We'll never know. But. Uh, if if Auburn wins the game, I think the line's too big. The line's ten points, and I would uh, I don't bet on ball games, but if I did, uh, I'd probably say Mississippi State would cover the line because it's a it's a ten point line. But uh, if Auburn uh, wins the ball game by a larger margin than that, if it's if if, if Auburn is noticeably better than Mississippi State, uh, it's probably going to be because for the first time State had the misfortune of of getting to play against Auburn's full complement of offensive players. All right, I'm going to ask you real quick. You listed Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine in beautiful Birmingham, Alabama. Auburn took a hit this week uh, as associate head basketball coach Chuck Person was listed as one of the coaches in the uh, scheme to uh, steer players to a financial advisor in Pittsburgh, Marty Blazer, 
from all practical purposes, what I've seen as uh, Bruce Pearl will be okay. And and we and, and you know we in my column on on the website, which I'm, I'm assuming you've read, um, uh, it's pretty clear. You know, I, I I went greatly into the truck person aspect in my background, uh, and and in how it affects Auburn. But I also spent a good little bit going into uh, into some some other the other schools. This is this isn't an Auburn deal. Uh, it's a, it's a national deal. Uh, it's not even an only Auburn in the SEC deal since Alabama and South Carolina. Uh, have also now been brought into it. Alabama in much the same way as Auburn, uh, even though my column focuses primarily primarily on Chuck Person. But the, the, but it look it appears, and I, I have read the entire 32-page indictment against Person. I didn't read all the others, but I then compared what the charges were. Uh, I read the New York Times article uh, that went into it, and I read the CBSSports.com analysis of it. And it appears that the schools that were not involved in recruiting violations, there's a big difference here. Louisville. Uh, and what all happened from them, theirs was recruiting. Uh, the, uh, the other schools, and, and well, Miami's might have been recruiting. Because, I mean, there's a lot of teams involved in this, heaven's sakes. Arizona, uh, Lindy's number one pick in the, for a championship in the country, uh, is involved in it. Uh, Southern Cal, Oklahoma State, who's already fired assistant coach. Uh, uh, again, South Carolina, Alabama, Louisville. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not an SEC thing. It's not an Auburn thing. Uh, but it appears that the that the schools that were not involved in recruiting violations, there's no evidence that any of the school administrations, uh, that any of the head coaches knew anything about this. Uh, that's sort of proven by count two of the indictment, uh, which is to uh, intention to defraud. Uh, and the defrauding part comes in that these guilty assistant coaches, or apparently guilty assistant coaches, uh, did not let anybody at their schools know about it, uh, and those schools having a valid contract with those coaches had a reasonable expectation that they could expect the services of those coaches. Those coaches made an intentional decision knowing that if it was found out, they would be fired from their jobs. So if that were not the case, then those schools would be co-conspirators. They wouldn't be victims. So I do feel like the head coaches, the head basketball coaches at all these different schools, and probably the schools themselves where it did not involve recruiting, uh, will probably have, have not severe, I don't know that nothing, but, but probably will not have anything very severe happen. Uh, the, the down part for those is going to be that uh, Oklahoma State has already had a decommitment from its top recruit, uh, its top commitment for next year. Auburn's already had a decommitment from its top uh, uh, commitment from, from last year. Uh, and I suspect you're going to have some others of this happen, at least until it's, it's shown for sure that these head coaches in these schools are not going to be going on probation. But it's a, it's a sad thing, as I, as I said in the column. It's just a sad thing, and it's, it's to where, uh, you know, it's a, it's a wide-ranging scandal, and, and I don't know that college basketball fans will ever be able to, uh, to look at things exactly the same again.